curtain. Edie was struggling and kicking, but Lyle had her tight. Let me go, you pig! Give her some, Lyle snarled. Tom poked his stick in the fire. He looked as though he wanted the game to stop. But Jason stood up and lifted the pan from the flames. Go on, see if she likes it. Jason pulled off some of the fish with his fingers. It was still rubbery, half raw. Lyle's hands were twisting Edie's wrists behind her back, burning her flesh. She kept her mouth tight shut, willing herself not to scream as the lump of pink fish was thrust under her nose. When she was sick, it went everywhere, into the pan, over Jason's hand, over Lyle's trainers. Afterwards, she was aware of Tom's bowed head, and of a strange, fearful look in Jason's eyes. But Lyle stood gazing at her calmly, wiping his shoes on the leaves as he lit another cigarette. As she ran away, his expressionless voice swam after her. Go on, run away, run back to Granny, run back to your blind old Babka. Edie stumbled on, out of the woods and across the field, then collapsed, exhausted, by the pond. The damp grass soaked through her jeans, but she did not move. She sat frozen, staring at the motionless grey water, thinking of Tilly writhing in the net, Tilly smoking in the pan. She hated Lyle as she had never hated anyone before, and he was always there. Wherever she went, she could feel his pale eyes following her. And next week, it would be even worse. Next week, After half-term, she would be starting at his school, going with him every day on a bus into the local town. Don't expect me to look after you, he'd said to her, though people will expect things of you, as my cousin. What will they expect of me? Edie wondered with a shudder. Lyle had been expelled from two schools already. Savages. That's what her grandmother had said after she and Edie had stayed at Folly Farm one Easter. After three nights, they had both been glad to escape. A filthy, cold house and three filthy, cold children. Babka had muttered on the train home, pursing her lips over her sweetened coffee. When Edie had been sent to live at Folly Farm, Babka had refused to look her in the eye as she directed her what to pack. You'll be going to school again. That's what you wanted, was all she had said. I wanted to stay at my old school, Edie had replied. I don't want to go to school with them. But Babka, defeated by blindness, had just shrugged. Folly Farm was good enough for Edie, though not for Kitty. Babka had arranged for her fat old cat to go to an animal shelter. Why can't I take her with me? Edie had pleaded. Your cousins would not be kind to her, Babka replied. You don't care if they're not kind to me, Edie said quietly. Edie had lived as long as she could remember with Babka in a little flat perched at the top of a grey building near Hyde Park. There was a Chinese restaurant in the street below them, with gold lights in the window, and next to it, a Polish grocer where Babka would buy jars of beetroot and red cabbage, and, on good days, little cakes with bright yellow custard.
Edie had gone to a school a few streets away, but when she was nine, her grandmother had started teaching her at home. Babka didn't want anyone coming to the flat. She didn't want anyone to know that she was going blind. If they find out, she had warned, they'll take you away. But Edie had hated the long, friendless afternoons, with Babka drilling her impatiently in whatever subject took her mood. She was never allowed to invite her old school friends to tea. Babka said that sometimes you needed to be secret to be safe. But the social services had found out about Babka's blindness in the end, so Babka had been sent to her home. She'd refused to go to the one they'd found for her in London. I want to die in a room with a view, Babka had said, and she had dug into her meagre savings to make her wish come true. Babka had ended up in a home near Oxford, but Edie had been given no choice about...